Okay, beautiful people, we are back with another another episode of A Nanny's Life podcast. And this week, I brought back arguably y'all's fave from the first batch of recordings. Um, we did an episode about navigating nanny shares, and it was very well received. So y'all welcome Mariah back to the potty. Hey, friend. Hello, hello, friend. How you doing? Welcome back. <laughs> I am good. Happy to be back. I've been waiting. Yes. <laughs> and it's Black History Month, so we know we got to do it yes. for the culture. Of course, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Year. It just starts in February. Yes. Yes, I love that. And because it is Black History Month, we thought we would talk about a subject that is very specific to Black nannies here in America. Um, We're calling this episode the best of both worlds. And what I mean by that is we were raised (laughs) as black Americans in a very uh, specific uh, cultural way, if you will. And then we grew up and we became caregivers, nannies, professionally to arguably a different culture right? We predominantly work for privileged families. A lot of times these are white American families. Um, and there are some, some differences (laughs) that we have observed. So we kind of want to talk about it because I think starting off in this career, um, for me, there was a good bit of culture shock and over the years I have learned to take the best from both worlds and allow it to inform my nanny practice. So starting off, Mariah, what was your upbringing like? What was your household like? What was childcare like for your family? What was that like? Um, so a single mom for a lot of my childhood, um, had a stepfather in the home eventually, um, two other siblings, biological siblings, and then, you know, a rotation of four or so other step-siblings, you know, that would be in and out of the house. Um, Childcare was always handled by a home care provider or my grandparents. Um, I had a young mom, so uh, I was my grandparents' shadow. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever they went, I went. Um, So I spent a lot of time with grandparents. home providers and then once I was like of age and in school I was at home and I was the provider Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it came to just whether it be my sibling my younger sibling needed to be home or shoot at one point I was getting other kids off the bus and keeping them home with me like when I got home um and then I would say a authoritarian Mm -hmm. (laughs) um type of upbringing um we did punishments we did spankings we did consequences um once we were a little older we went away from spankings and went more into like um military style Mm. consequences so like wall drills you know like holding dictionary Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) sitting on the wall you know doing the whole plant you know just that sort of vibe And I think that was even worse. Um, Just, I would say, very normal in the sense of a black 
you know, child raised in the 90s. Um, you know, different nuances. We weren't allowed to watch TV during the weekdays. Like, I tell my nanny families that, like, a lot of times. Because, <laughs> um, so, like, Monday through Friday, well, Monday through Friday until, like, after school, we could not watch TV at all. So, you know, we spent a lot of time together. Um, I would say that's where, like, my passion of kids kind of manifested you know I would make like little tracing sheets for my siblings like when we were kids and I mean we would breed together we would a lot of sibling time um so yeah pretty normal in that sense yeah I I definitely had a similar um upbringing my so when I was small small um, my grandmother took care of me. My grandmother was basically my nanny. Um, I was raised by a single parent for the most part as well. Um, and so when I was like a baby, I just hung out with my grandmother. And when I tell you, she just would put me in the car and we would ride all over Annapolis, Maryland, doing whatever she was doing for the day. Um, and then when I was a little older, when I was like maybe two and a half, um, three, my mom started a daycare um, in the basement of our house which was lit. I love that. Some of my best. I, I, I was, oh my God. Yeah. Some of my best memories. I can imagine. It was amazing. And my mom like is a kid person. Like she was a parent who understood and treated kids like they were just smaller people, you know, um, from the beginning. So there was a lot of, you know, conversation and explanation and all that stuff, a lot of respect, but there was also a lot of discipline discipline Uh, Mm -hmm. listen you had to follow the rules or consequence um there were things to happen and then once corner time mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) once we were school age um we went to an after school like at home daycare for a little bit um and then honestly by the time i was like 10 11 it was me um (laughs) i was the child care literally yeah and um I think for a lot of us, like who grew up in the 90s, then growing into nannies, it's like such a whole new world because these kids have so much more in terms of... Have so much more. Yeah, more stuff, more quality time. But less responsibility. Yeah, definitely less responsibility. And that's probably one of the bigger... um, pain points for me as a nanny because Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the extra right I'm giving you the attention Mm -hmm. I'm giving you um the specialized care I'm giving you Mm -hmm. all these things all you need to do is take your plate to the sink sir that's all I need you to do (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes like (laughs) because when I was younger like it was just understood everyone in the household Everybody contributes. Like, yeah, if you Mm -hmm. live here, Mm -hmm. you contribute. And we weren't like, you know, overworked. It wasn't anything that I couldn't Mm -hmm. do. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was a responsibility. And if you didn't do it. Then it was understood. (laughs) You didn't do it. There was a problem. So, (laughs) yeah, coming into the nanny world uh, was full of culture shock for me. Um, do you remember anything where you were like, any instance where you were first starting to work as a nanny and you were like, wait, this is different? (laughs) Um, I think, you know, you notice little things here and there, 
but when it really resonated with me was when like I was first started kind of with my current set of um, share and just the way that they were like engaging with their kids and they were like so young like as far as including them Mm and certain ad things that would like affect them or just like making them aware like when they okay I'm leaving I'll be back xyz I'm gonna do xyz sometimes my mama leave and I would have no idea where she mm-hmm. went you know not saying like it was an abandonment thing but she was going to handle her business and she just did not think that that was my right. business so. right my mom is still that way <laughs> she's like I'm going to run it <laughs> right like I'm going to run an errand I'll be back you don't know when I'll be back but I'll be back like whereas they'll be like I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and when I get back I'll see you know just including them but something so small I talked about this with somebody before like little things we don't realize causes anxiety in children Mm. like you know not having access to you if something happens I'm calling you you're not answering like just like removing those certain things from a child's like life you just don't realize how greatly that can impact them when you were on the opposite end of that seeing the negative you know (laughs) so I think that was kind of a big thing for me one of the many many things and then of course the time just the time yeah and even thinking back because when we were kids we didn't recognize that as anxiety we didn't recognize that as no you know not optimal but now as an adult it's like oh wait so this is why I get anxious when this happens or this is why Mm -hmm. I'm triggered by Mm -hmm. you know xyz and you know our our parents did the best they could my mom was an incredible parent but amazing she also worked 60 hours a week (laughs) you know she also wasn't getting home till six seven Mm -hmm. o'clock we were going to bed at eight nine o'clock like Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's only so many three children mainly a single parent like yeah there things are gonna come with that (laughs) it's about learning luckily yeah that's so true um one of my biggest culture shocks was food culture and I don't mean, mm-hmm. I don't even mean what people eat because obviously different people eat different things, but how much of it, you <laughs> how much, how much you eat, um, the way that meal times go from the structure of it. Like we never sat down to eat a meal without our mom. Every time we ate, she ate. Every time she ate, we ate. Like it just Same. was mm-hmm. part of the routine. Um, we mm-hmm. only had choices about certain things at certain times in the week. So, because again, and when they were given, right? Because <laughs> my mom has X amount of dollars to feed the three of us for the week. She's going to do what makes the most sense. We're going to sit to the table. And it was very much like, sometimes we had the clear your plate culture vibes. Um, but for the most part, it was, I, this is what I'm giving you. If you want it, have it. If you don't, that's what I'm giving you. Like, that's it. Um, and then the food waste is really hard. Like, it is such a trigger it's for me. It's hard on my soul. <gasps> it's so, oh my God. <laughs> it's so hard to witness. And like, oh I don't want to be... Um, that person. Yeah. Like, I don't want to put my trauma. I don't want to project my trauma onto other people. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I try Mm -hmm. to catch myself, but like when, when these kids go and get an apple and take one bite and throw it in the trash. That, that is one that's 
it's hard on my core. Right? It's hard. And the, or when they ask for something and they don't finish it. Or you know, or like, don't even really especially eat it. <laughs> at all. Especially when we're like, because you know I'm gonna share. So when we're at other houses, like I feel like that's another thing. Like just the respect. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you're in someone else's house. Don't go open and they stuff. Mm, like that part. <laughs> You, there are boundaries amongst like other people's things and when those certain boundaries are in the home they can't then go somewhere else and be expected to have that boundary in place right. whether it's like creeping on their stuff food wise because they're you know they're quick to say oh you know i see that snack there can i get that mm-hmm. snack i'm like yeah this they're the they're type of people they don't care but then i'm like giving a snack from someone else's home and then you're not eating it so now i'm like it almost giving you anxiety because you flash back to your childhood. You're like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you know that they have an abundance, but it's still and like, that's the thing. They didn't have an abundance, like <laughs> yeah. And like in my mind, I like I'm I'm seeing I'm seeing dollar signs for one, but I'm also just like, so now what? Because I we we agreed on a meal, we produced that meal. I gave you that meal, and you put ninety percent of that meal in the garbage. So now how do I handle your next request? When you're hungry in an hour. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, do, mm-hmm. because for me, it's just, I feel like I'm just throwing money in the garbage. And it's, that's one of those things that I've had to really learn to not only talk to my bosses, but watch them and how they feel about food and how they feel about mealtime and just try to just, just fall in line with that because it's like work through it mm-hmm. <laughs> for a while i was like this is not gonna work for me you this know isn't it. it's and it's also realizing the kid because like when the older kids are in our share the older well, some of the older kids will you know either eat fast and they're mm-hmm. done and they're like okay i'm ready to get down and the other kids are not and they're like well, okay well i'm ready to get down mm-hmm. now so now it creates this cycle so i feel like it's also reading the room so like if i see you taking a bite and five seconds ago you just told me can we have lunch because i'm starving and then i made the lunch and you took a bite well no let's stay here for a few more minutes and right um just wait mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if you eat more you do if you don't you don't but let's give it a moment because you did just tell me you were starving mm-hmm. And I have made a full course meal here and yeah, you've only had the cheese. Yeah, I try so to obviously <laughs> I try to turn it into like a conversation moment, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. luckily my kids all go to school um, and they are not obviously not in the same classes with one another. So we take that meal time to talk about like what happened at school, what this friend did, whatever, whatever. And then, you know, sometimes that helps them to stay put a little bit. I, they don't they don't really eat more, to be honest. But it gives the structure of sitting at a table and eating. Because then you go to a restaurant and your kids are all over the place. Because they don't have to sit, you know. And so it's this constant. Now, that is something we I require. Yeah. We do sit and eat. I, I am not a stand. Like, we don't munch 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 and walk around if that's one boundary we me can too hold, oh my goodness i cannot <laughs> i cannot with the walking and the snacking the snacking and the walking no. i can my bosses laugh no. so much because i'm always like park it just park if you want to have something to eat have a seat. just sit down In your <laughs> just chair. just have a seat please no. keep keep those crumbs 
oh, I'm glad to know I'm not alone. I'm glad to know I'm not alone. Cause it's literally a constant, like in my brain, I'm constantly between, is this about you or is this about them? Are they doing what's age appropriate? Are you, are you asking them to do what's age appropriate or are you asking them to do what you were asked to do as a child? Like I'm constantly having to sort of check myself and the food, the food culture is probably the biggest issue. What other shocks? Of course, the excess, the abundance, like you said, um, kids expecting a gift every time they see a person. Particularly like Ooh, that grinds my gears. Family members come into town and the kids are like, What you got for yes. me, buddy? <laughs> What's up? We used to get in, in your Yeah, we used to get in so much trouble <laughs> if we asked something like that. Um Absolutely. That is so rude. And now it's just it's just part of the culture. Because like, there's always a gift. There's always mm-hmm. something. Um mm-hmm. so they have learned that. So why not ask for what I already expect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like the not listening, like, okay, let's rewind mm-hmm. this. I feel like it's age appropriate, of course, for a child to do what they want to do. Yes. But also I listen to what my what an adult told me. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like if an adult said, Go have a seat. I might feel some type of way about it. I might go to that seat and squirm, but I'm going to go to my seat, you know? Right. No, you're right. <laughs> because it, it, it was a respect thing. Now, granted, was that respect partially built with spankings? Maybe. But the respect was there even after the spankings were gone, right. you know? Right. So, like, I feel like the, the expectation is slightly different oh absolutely i don't know i I, like (laughs) especially especially oh especially if it is not your kid or your grown-up right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i run into a lot of instances like at the playground because one of my kiddos is social well actually two of them are social butterflies and we like to go to the playground not to play but specifically to play with other kids who don't live in our house right to make friends and to reach out Mm-hmm. Um, these kids, um, hmm. these kids are a lot. The kids that I don't take care of, they, they are frightening to me. And what is wild is that, I mean, it takes me a lot. It takes a lot for me to speak to address, you know, for the, for the purpose of correcting another child. It takes a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you have to mm-hmm. be either physically harming my child, putting other children in danger or yes. talking crazy putting yourself in yeah. danger yes yes but when you say something to a child that you don't take care of now like, in one ear and out the other they're like oh your, mm, your nanny's mean and <laughs> an insult right. is added. right it's like, wild <laughs> oh it's wild Ooh. on the flip you don't see the parent correcting that's true like that's true. Normally, I wait. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. 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 Like, <laughs> are you gonna say something? No. Okay, my turn. Like, mm-hmm. if you, well, if I have to say something, you're not gonna be happy about it. Like, I, but I definitely feel like the expectations of the children are a little different. Like, my um, doula client that I have in the evenings. Like, if her son goes in my bag without asking, she makes it a point to say, "Put that mm-hmm. back." and go and ask Mm -hmm. for permission before you go in other people's things 
I don't necessarily have the, that same reaction in other settings, right. you right. know? So just as far as the expectations that are placed on children, as far as respect and boundaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's three, so it's not like, oh, you're too young to understand that, right. you know? No, it's true. It's showing them early so that they do understand those certain things, like... Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing, I think, so for us, for Black Americans, like, bringing it back to the source and the reason, right? Being a Black parent in America has always been a dangerous thing, right? And behavior, decorum, um, respect have always been paramount to literal survival, right? Survival. Um, One wrong move. Exactly. (laughs) The other day I had to run an errand um, and it just so happened that I had to take all the kids because it was one of those last minute, we got to do it things. We went into a grocery store and we went into a a local toy store we have here. When I tell you, (laughs) and I've taken my kids to the store before. I typically don't take all three. It's typically a one-on-one experience, but they don't really go to stores a lot. You know, when we were kids, we all went to the grocery store. We always went to store. That's not, there's Instacart now. Why would you do that? So anyway, we're in these stores and these kids are running in three different directions, yelling to one another like, oh, there's cake over here. Oh, there's this, there's that. Um, Touching everything, taking everything off the shelf, you know, and I'm pretty strict. Like, I'm pretty like... Put it back, come back, please go this way. Like, mm-hmm. if that were 30 years ago, 40, 50 years ago, that's a problem. If, if like, think about yeah. you're going into a newly integrated store. You have just been allowed mm-hmm. to come in here. You can barely afford mm-hmm. to shop in here. And then your children decide to act up. That's to act up and they're taking things off of the shelf. Right. That's a direct reflection of you. And you are the one who will be scolded and possibly Mm -hmm. penalized you know like Mm -hmm. it was survival something little like that could turn into Mm -hmm. you know your whole life being ruined yes or being gone right right depending on what era you were in right and i think a lot of times we as black americans are still in that sort of muscle memory of what children should do of how children should behave, of what is important. And so even when we are in safe spaces, like our homes or our friends' homes or extended family, we still have that sort of knee jerk to like, yeah, you need to sit down and you need to be quiet. You need to go over there, <laughs> stay out of grown mm-hmm. folks' business. Be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All of that. And so But again, it all stems from survival. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's ingrained in us as a culture and it's it's one of those things that's for one hard to move away from um for a lot of reasons but also it's not necessarily a bad thing like there are parts of that respect conversation that behavior conversation that i think we we should keep going like i i think children should be able to understand that certain environments require certain behavior um, I think it just is going to come down to more conversation, I think, from between parents and children. Um, consistency, which millennial parents, we really struggle. I'm not a parent, but millennial parents and adults, 
yeah. We struggle with consistency because we're burnt out from everything else. Yes. Exactly. Right? And feedback from our peers. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you can see how uh, what a mother's experience was raising her child this way, if you see her child at 10 and you, and you guys have the opportunity to chat, like, this is what I did and yeah. this is the consequence of that. Absolutely. People will be more amped to say, hmm, well, maybe I can try something else. Or my thing is try multiple things. You know, we get so stuck in it's a one size fit all. I have to be an authoritative parent or I have to be a gentle parent. You can be all of those things wrapped in one. This is valid. You know, yeah. we don't, we, and I feel like that's where a lot of these like things, why we are having like so such these issues, like because we're all in the extreme here or the extreme there, opposed to just being right in the middle. You don't have to be authoritative, but you also don't like have to let your kids run over you, like whether you're a nanny or a parent. Yeah, that's that's such a good point because I think that so many times we see the highlight reel of a gentle parent or a conscious parent and i i love gentle parenting and conscious parenting um we see the highlight reel and we assume because that's what the real problem is we assume that that is 100 of the time how their households run and yeah and a lot of times they they don't tell you some some influencers will tell you but a lot of times they're not going to tell you that part because that's not the part that gets the clicks or the views or the reposts. But um, if you look at just the way the world is going, right? We have to consider the fact that if all these other cultures are giving their children more FaceTime or more conversation or more, you know, if they're getting this, right? <laughs> and we are depriving our kids of that same courtesy what sort of adult society are they going to grow up into <laughs> what kind of adults are they going to become right that i think that's what the when we're talking to kids and when we're just raising whatever the case in the back of our my mind or all of our minds that should be the question just looming what kind of adult am I raising? Like we forget, we see them as these kids and we forget they're going to grow up and enter society one day. And are they going to be liked or not? (laughs) Are they going to be good members to society? Mm -hmm. Are they going to even know how to function Mm -hmm. in society? Like I have watched a documentary kind of about like the rich and wealthy. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the things that the kids said, like once I became an adult, getting into spaces where the world didn't revolve around me was hard like I didn't understand like just different things like I'm not the only one that matters here and there are other people or just not even realizing the amount of wealth that they have Mm. like some wealthy people don't even know what poor is like to talk to someone and you don't even understand what it's like to uh be hungry Mm. like Mm -hmm this a different place or even as little as our bosses like a lot of conversations I hear or see with nannies they're like how do I ask my boss to stop being late on my money because I live paycheck to paycheck I understand you don't live paycheck to paycheck so you don't know what it feels like to need your money on Friday mm-hmm. at one o'clock mm-hmm. before the bank's closed mm-hmm. <laughs> right no seriously 
but I do. So how do I under make you understand the gravity of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's wow. That's an incredible point because I, oh Lord. Okay, so coming from we were barely middle class growing up. My mom mm-hmm. was the one who made it out. My mom was the mm-hmm. you know the blueprint really. But mm-hmm. being the blueprint is a burden, to be completely honest. Yeah. Because you're you're literally blazing the trail. Um, yeah. And so for me, especially now as an adult who works for privileged white families a lot of the time, thinking back on my childhood and how we were considered like the bougie family, right? we were considered we're doing the most we're trying to be you know xyz and then to now work for a family where my kid literally and he bless his heart we had we talked about it he didn't mean it he has learned but when i bought when me and my partner bought this house when i first brought my kids the first thing the oldest one said was you don't even have any steps in your house is this it (laughs) i said it is Thank you. (laughs) But like how wild that for me being able to be a homeowner was amazing in my early 30s was huge. He's like, you don't even have. And he was like, so what is, yeah, where's the rest of it? What is, what are we doing? Yeah. And so you're right. Like if it weren't for me being as transparent with my kids about what my life is like, and make being intentional about showing them that there are lots of different ways to live. What really matters is, you know, your happiness, how well you treat people, um, quality relationships and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know that they wouldn't be the ones to grow up and be like, wait, other people don't have money. Other people don't have, don't have huge right. houses. Other people exactly. don't, you know, it's, it's so interesting. What? the experience like you can talk 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 all you want but if they're not having the experience it's almost worthless Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. just no different than when (laughs) you can always tell I feel like maybe we've had this conversation before but you can always tell when children have not been around Mm -hmm. black caretakers Mm -hmm. black people Mm -hmm. the whole nine Mm -hmm. like and to not allow or create that experience for your kid is almost doing society a disservice Absolutely. because they're going to grow up and be around these people. And now you've made it awkward for me. Mm-hmm. So now when they see me in my hair, I have to explain or I have to get up because they feel the need to keep touching mm-hmm. or they go into these schools and they perpetuate these stereotypes that they may have about certain people that look a certain way because they never experienced it regardless if they heard those stereotypes or not in their household like I can't tell you how many places I go and the kids are just staring at me Mm -hmm. and it's so embarrassing whether it's for me or for the parent because now I know your kid doesn't see black people a lot Mm -hmm. and now you know oh shoot my kid doesn't see black people a lot and he's now making someone uncomfortable. Right. And how do I handle this? Right. And it's so crazy how we have the opposite experience growing up because, you know, even though I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood and church and culture, media was white. 
So when I saw a white person, it wasn't like, what is that? You know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas some of these children, they'd be like, uh, mama, what, who, what, uh, um <laughs> you know it's just and you see that older and i went to school in bowling green ohio that's where i did my uh, college degree mm-hmm. and it's this tiny bitty town in between like toledo and somewhere else people will be you know you have your little intros and talks mm-hmm. some kids coming to bowling green had never seen black people before in their life wow we were 18 this is 2012 wow <laughs> that's crazy so it's like yeah come on yeah come on yeah even even the little locks Mm -hmm. oh not locks girl not locks (laughs) (laughs) you would think i was a celebrity when i go into these children places girl i bet you're looking at me like i'm a art painting (laughs) i bet no i bet the kids are like yeah, that's part of why, like, because when I first started, so I went to predominantly white college as well in Durham, North mm-hmm. Carolina. And when I was in college, I think was the the most European my beauty standards have ever been. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it wasn't too, too much, but yeah, my hair was typically straight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and I, you know, I would dress kind of like they, like, I was kind of like, because growing up, like I didn't grow up with a golf club membership or anything like that. So mm-hmm. our idea of a formal event was a little different than like some of these collegiate <laughs> events that I would go to. So I would of be course. like, oh, I got to get that kind of dress. Oh, I got to wear them kind of mm-hmm. shoes. Um, sort of thing. Like right. Uh-huh. And then I went, I moved to New York. And so I did my first nanny job in New York and I still was kind of like, on that wavelength but I don't know something happened when I moved back to Atlanta and I was like what am I even doing like I you're black so um my kids get to see a very unapologetic black woman every day y'all have seen my partner locks down his back beard facial hair all of that Mm -hmm. stuff which would be Mm -hmm. foreign to them if they didn't know me uh, in other circumstances right exactly. and so now my kids are the ones telling their friends their peers at school when they're like oh she has crazy hair no she has curly hair or oh you know they don't their hair is not clean um you can wash locks actually mm-hmm. they do wash mm-hmm. that you know and mm-hmm. i don't know i'm just very proud that i'm able to do that <laughs> for them I, very yeah culturing one more person mm-hmm. that otherwise may not get that culture mm-hmm. and you got to do it young because kids will speak up to a certain point right once they mm-hmm. get into like elementary middle school they're following the crowd but when they're little and they don't know anybody oh, yeah. they're like that's not crazy it's just curly that doesn't sound right <laughs> you know that doesn't sound right. they correct their yes. peers and and then we start thinking a little more critically which and, is exciting and, and, and it's the most important part be- time to teach them because that's when they're learning mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. why uh, the, w- once you get older than school age now you're read un- they have to unlearn that's what true. they believed that's true <laughs> to be retaught it that's whereas true. if you show them when they first encounter the experience okay like when kids first interact with me it's annoying, but I'm like, this is a teaching opportunity. Mm-hmm. If I give them, if if this is their first experience and 
they receive me negatively right then this is what they're going to carry with them so just being mindful of how how we're teaching and Mm -hmm. the experiences we give Mm -hmm. because there is no reason your four-year-old should only this is the first time they see a black person and they live in a city (laughs) atlanta georgia how it doesn't get much blacker guys like it doesn't (laughs) i had seen a uh, nanny group Uh they were like condemning this is a few months back they were condemning this sleep it's called a gudula but basically indian they're like baby hammocks Mm. and um they're like i don't they have this baby sleeping in this thing and i'm not gonna do it and this is crazy and blah 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 blah. but again it just goes back to understanding a culture and like like just learning around it like if you're gonna put your baby in a snoo or in a moving bass of that what is what is any different than a baby hammock (laughs) and it goes back to the idea that we as a culture well i'm like black americans right we always have to not always but we are more used to having to ask questions and do things the way someone else does them even when we don't Mm -hmm. agree right Mm -hmm. we are accustomed to extending respect and doing Mm -hmm. what people wish of us regardless if it's deserved other nannies who did not grow up with those sort of expectations really tend to have a hard time hearing anything that does not go with what they have decided is correct and i it's, it's such a way. disservice it's such a I di- agree because with that. the nannies that i see being unprofessional disrespectful um you know blasting their families on the internet and st- they are typically not black women uh and i think it is unfair i agree with that i agree with that because we we fear i I feel like the fear takes over just like we talked about how our parents operated from a place of fear because death was always looming Mm -hmm. i feel like like we say it 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 trickles trickles trickle trickles down where we're always seen as an issue so we turn out to ruffle feathers Mm -hmm. like everything can be an issue this is Mm -hmm. true like when we come into a job for us when I come into work, like, there's certain things I have to think about, if, especially if I'm new on the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it, is my hair kept up? Are my nails looking like, like, would I wear my nails like this to an initial job interview? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But that's a thought that I would have because it's like, oh, do I want to come off this way? Do I want to come off that way? Like, whereas those same worries are not necessarily always a worry on the other side. Right, no, and I... <laughs> It's it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. And this is a little bit of a tangent, guys, but stay with me. It's crazy to think about how some of the progress that we've made in this industry is simply because these women or these people who have not grown up in fear, who have not mm-hmm. had to respect or submit mm-hmm. or listen or get in line, they really are the reason that we have gotten some traction because they just not trying to hear it. Like there is no, it's, this is how we're doing it. And you're going to do it this way because Mm -hmm. why should I listen to anyone else? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's such a paradox for me because a lot of times I'm like, all right, simmer down. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, go, go ahead. (laughs) 
Because that's the only way, only way it's going to get heard. Right? Isn't that wild? Insane. Even, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the many things, always having to pick and choose the right thing. Or the right words. The wrong thing being said. Mm-hmm. And now that we're in this culture, cancel culture, like, it's mm-hmm. almost comedy because they're like, well, I should be able to do what I should be able to say and not get canceled. It's like now you're getting a little taste of what mm. always having to walk on eggshells feels like mm-hmm. in a different manner. We were never mm-hmm. like acting racist, but we always had to yeah. say the right thing, do the right thing, look the right way. Like mm-hmm. now you got you do you do. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> so I think like to to kind of bring it back to center. I think that being a black nanny in America is such a beautiful thing. It's a heavy burden to carry, but it's beautiful because we are able to pull together some of the best of both worlds and give these kids a well-rounded early childhood experience that I don't think they would necessarily get otherwise. And I really want going forward, I want us to figure out a way to reach out to black parents especially black american like millennial parents um and figure out ways that we can support um and possibly educate without overstepping without you know right blaming or labeling or anything Mm -hmm. like that because i really do think parents for the most part are doing the best they can do um But a lot of black parents only have their parents to listen to, you know, to to mentor them. And that's what I'll say, like, when we talk about, like, just the upbringing, like, that's where we all, but of course, the conversation is us. That's what we need to do better is sitting down and coming from a place of education and not from, like, a place of emotion. So really getting down to the bottom of things opposed to, like just reacting based off experience i feel like in our culture community that is really heavy mm-hmm. like everything we see everything is personal everything mm-hmm. is a reflection of you whereas that kids are going through stuff like i know i went through my own stuff especially as a teenager and if the consequences that came from a place of okay i know you're experiencing this because of this Let's get you talking to this person or let, you know, whatever, opposed to a, you're embarrassing me. I ain't supposed, you ain't supposed to be acting like this type of deal. Mm -hmm. The result may or may not, but it may have been different. (laughs) Right. That's valid. And I do think that even as a nanny, I have to like, not eliminate, but mute a lot of my triggers when I'm dealing with kids because certain things I just instantly I'm reacting instead of responding Mm -hmm. and I have to stop Mm -hmm. myself because Mm -hmm. like issues like the back talk like not listening the first time well and the (laughs) the back talk right so like we were raised to where if an adult tells you to do something now there's one if it's a question sure I'm open I'm open for your feedback if I ask a question but if I say please go put your shoes on the step then for you to come back with why do I have to do that or I don't want or I'm gonna do that I always have to like take a deep breath and hear them out 
even though my inner mm-hmm. self is like, I told you to go and do X, Y, Z. Like that for mm-hmm. me is, is a little triggering. Um, guns as toys. Very, very oh triggering. Oh gosh. Very triggering. So triggering. Even the word gun. Right. Like sometimes I find myself calling it a shooter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you have your like, sh-. and not to say that that means any, it's not any different. But it but... helps. Yes, it's something about the way gun play, like, just, it's eerie on my soul, especially knowing a young child, no older than 10, 12, Mm -hmm. was shot down Mm -hmm. and killed Mm -hmm. from playing with a toy gun, Mm -hmm. regardless of how it looked or how it didn't look, so, yeah. Especially when I'm a brown black children, I'm like, y'all shouldn't be playing with guns like that for real, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. put them down, let's move on, like, or the shooting at people even when my kids get into the habit and one of my nanny parents is actually really good about this she's like if you're going to be shooting that you need to be not shooting that at people Mm -hmm. like ground things but not pointing it at someone so right even little nuances like that like as a black kid or as a black parent you can't even buy your kid a gun no a toy gun no because of just the all the implications the stuff. yeah but in the eyes of maybe a maybe a white parent or maybe a mexican or maybe a whatever you may not that may not ever even cross your mind right and kids are all. so into guns for some reason they're so into toy guns they love it they love it i feel like oh my god give them a slingshot it stresses <laughs> me out i will say one of the things that i've had to unlearn as a trigger is the whole speak either when you when you enter a room if there are other people there or when someone mm-hmm. addresses you you have to speak i've had to mm-hmm. unlearn that because mm-hmm. to you that as as an adult that is you know your neighbor or your friend or your colleague or whatever but to this child that is a stranger <laughs> i don't know that person and even if they know them why does my relationship with them have to be on your terms grown up on your terms what if i don't want to say anything right and i think in our culture that's in our culture that's disrespectful like parents will get scolded reprimanded talked about if their children don't speak exactly Mm -hmm. and i think that's unfair (laughs) and i even like the book i read um called what happened to you um the psychiatrist did a lot of case study or shared a lot of case studies that he did over his career and Mm -hmm. there was this one kid who was taken from his family home because his parents were deemed unfit. He was put into foster care. And at school, he was having this awful, awful time getting along with a particular teacher that he felt like was bullying him. Um, Mm -hmm. The psychiatrist did not see any evidence of bullying. And the teacher was like, I don't know what the kid is talking about. Like, we have the same relationship as everyone else. But he Mm -hmm. found out that basically over time he realized that the teacher wore the same deodorant as the parent who abused this kid so the kid was literally subconsciously triggered by this person but continually forced to interact with them to respect them to behave for them and almost got thrown out of school because our subconscious brain is like a whole thing like we don't Thing. we don't operate what 80 percent of us i think we operate off of what 10 percent or something right and we have to we have to go through that sort of 
instinctive lower level brain function to get to the higher function so even though we know better Mm -hmm. we don't always do better so for a small child like you said if they had a bad experience with someone with a mustache and then you tell them they have to talk to this person with a mustache who they have not seen before but who reminds them of the person that traumatized them they're like "Mm, probably not right like there's (laughs) just so much more to it that we our parents didn't realize and and maybe we didn't realize for a long time yeah so and again that is why i said we need to come more from a place from education Mm -hmm. half of the issues we have are because we don't have the education behind it not even saying like the having to be in the classroom but we don't even seek out the knowledge right this is true when i hear parents like not black not even black or white things parents all across the board when Mm -hmm. i hear them like problem solving they problem solve in a way that benefits them the most Mm. opposed to what either benefits the collective or what at the time is going to benefit the kid the most that's huge yeah (laughs) and i'm like you're wondering why they're struggling because what you're doing works for you not for them (laughs) oh that's so deep mariah that is so deep and that's what happens when a parent is (laughs) is overextended overworked underpaid burnt Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. you know beaten down by society and then you have to come Mm -hmm. home to these little people and be better for them than the world was to you that's so hard a lot of that's a big ask (sighs) that is a big ask well i will say (laughs) yeah no you listen you dropped the bomb on me there Um, I will say I do think that there are some wonderful examples of more conscious, more gentle parenting in the black community Mm -hmm. um, that are available to us um, Mm -hmm. because I know that especially black parents, I love y'all, but y'all don't be trying to hear from nannies um, if y'all don't have a nanny yourself. Y'all be like, whatever. Um, And and if you don't have a kid, mm -mm. white people don't want to hear you at Mm -mm. all, which is fine with me. I don't Mm-mm. give my two. I don't give my my two cents. No, not unsolicited. Smile and wave. Yeah, yeah. And I get it, but I do want to share three accounts that I love to follow on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. The first is, and I'm, I'll link these in the in the notes of the show. So, because I'm not gonna spell out everybody's at. Yeah. No. But um, <laughs> the first one is Destiny Anne. I'm obsessed love with her. her. Do you follow her? Oh, oh my, my god. god. I love her so much. My favorite I love her thing. So much. My favorite thing about Destiny Ann is that she constantly reminds us that she is a gentle parent, not a gentle person, right? So Okay. Her kids get that. But mm-hmm. in life, because so many people think that, especially black people, we think that gentle parenting is like you said, permissive parenting and it's not. But we have so many poor examples of gentle parenting and they Mm -hmm. all are, they don't look like us. So it's hard Mm -hmm. to, you know, accept what they're saying. But what I love about Destiny is that she keeps it real. So she'll share like, yes, I ask my kids who they're talking to. Yes, I ask them, you know, if if they have lost it. But I also listen to their response. I also consider (laughs) their experience. Yes. So shout out to Destiny. She's incredible and i think she works with the i think it's pronounced j j j institute of parenting um 
and that is actually they offer courses that anyone can take to become like a parent mm-hmm. consultant um mm-hmm. and i, I wonder that. yeah i feel like the courses are probably great just to take as a parent you know to mm-hmm. learn how to um manage your children um another account yeah. i love is sheena vici yeah, i don't know if Do i follow, follow her mariah i'm gonna have to look at go look at her page so she's not on there like teaching and preaching necessarily it's really Mm -hmm. she just shows her experiences with her kids she has three Mm -hmm. kids but she's the parent who like creates a menu and puts it in the sleeve and gives her kids i might have seen i'm I'm, yes i've seen Mm -hmm. a video of that she she gives them like a fancy dinner experience at home and they kind of learn how to navigate a restaurant which is beautiful um she would like film herself when she's doing her kids hair and mm-hmm. you know her kids have a say in what their hair looks like, and she mm-hmm. she's such a good listener to them. Um, I just love that. No, I it reminds me so much of how my mom was because my mom mm-hmm. loves being a parent, and mm-hmm. so she was always trying to create experiences for us um, as kids. So I love following Sheena, and then third is Joy M- Marley. I probably I said that wrong. Her. She's got locks. I don't know if I follow her. Okay. She's got um, locks. She's a conscious parent. She originally was like a a, a lock account. Um, she started oh, okay. off on social media doing showing her hair, um, mm-hmm. but she started showing her kids and how she conscious parents. And I just I love seeing us as parents, and I love seeing us as progressive parents because again all these parents still have very respectful Mm well-adjusted kids from what i can see but Mm -hmm. they they take into account that kids need a little bit more than we were given as kids yeah um two more to add yes now i might need to go look up their names they're uh (laughs) two black fathers yes Um, okay one is not a father mr chaz Yes, we love Chad. I love him. Yes. And then now he is a father and he's um deaf. Um what a dad did or Ooh, something what like dad that. did. Yes, I think that might be it. Oh, what dad did. Raising bilingual liberated child of deaf adults. Yeah. Are they in Australia? I believe so. Ooh, yes. What dad did. I love that. Oh yeah, I think I I've seen him before. Him. And he does it from coming from I don't think his daughter is deaf, but I think both of the parents are. So I just that it. perspective. Yeah. Adding that but being deaf on top of just all the things. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so that listen, black parents are out here killing it. Yes. And black nannies. We are out here standing in the gap. <laughs> literally the gap (laughs) we are bringing together the best of both worlds (laughs) as best we can as best as we can but we're unlearning things from our childhood childhoods as well yeah definitely make us great parents definitely and i think it really helped to like read a lot of like research I i agree specifically about trauma because I think a lot of times we underestimate 
how traumatized we are collectively Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. we think that trauma has to be this big scary obvious thing Mm -hmm. um that sends us into a tailspin to where we can't function or need to be medicated which again right and it's fine if that is the case and if, if that's how your healing process looks but a lot of us have some sort of hidden or forgotten traumas mm-hmm. that we don't notice until a kid does something that until just you're triggered ooh, triggers us so we got to be always learning and i learned recently because i feel like sometimes i have a lot of guilt for nannying white children mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because those are typically the families who can both afford my services mm-hmm. and who seek my services. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have learned recently that trauma is not mitigated by wealth or money. Nope. Um, so the work that we do is as important for the families that can afford it as it would be mm-hmm. for those who, who cannot. don't necessarily have the ends that and, and we're gonna we can right and we're gonna figure that out right mariah mm-hmm. we are i try a little mm-hmm. bit here and there <laughs> mm-hmm. we're gonna figure that out we're gonna bridge the gap more but we i'm are. so grateful to be in this industry i'm so grateful for what i have learned mm-hmm. not only about early childhood for others but for myself mm-hmm. um, and i think that i think we're gonna be all right <laughs> We're going to be all right, in the words of Kendra's Lamar. Yes, I think we're going to be all right. Well, Mariah, thank you so much for joining me Thank again. you for having me. Of course. It's always such a good and easy chat with you. Um, always. Yeah. And friends, thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Nanny's Life Podcast. You can find me... Uh, all over the internet at a nanny's life <laughs> um trying to broaden the scope a little bit yeah. and you guys can find mariah at the cadaver nanny which will also be linked so we don't have to spell it um but yeah i guess we'll see you guys next time take care see of you yourselves next time. bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>